Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. If this is your guys' first time listening to the podcast, welcome. This podcast is free and available on all major recording platforms with podcasts coming out four to five days a week. If you guys enjoy the content I'm bringing you today and on a four to five day a week basis, and if you are new, please do me a favor and subscribe and leave a rating on the podcast and share on any platform possible. That would greatly help me out with growing this podcast. Today's podcast is going to be a doozy. I got a lot to, to, to get into. Uh, I'm a little late to get into the uh, reactions from Monday Night Football's game. Yet last night's game with Hugh Darvish versus Logan Gilbert. Uh, lost lots of good stuff in general, but I just wanted to again say thank you to everybody for taking the time out of your day to listen to my podcast. Uh, it's continuing to grow. We are now in, I believe, 13, 14 different uh, between countries and regions or whatever the correct term is. And I'm just very appreciative and thankful for everybody for taking the time out, out of their day. With that being said, let's just get straight into it, shall we? Around the world, as we always start out with on this podcast, the Around the World section always starts out with uh, Keenan Allen. will be officially ruled out for Thursday Night Football's game versus the Kansas City Chiefs led by the one and only Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Judge, uh, man, goodness gracious, Aaron Judge, continuing his reign of terror over all of baseball. Two home runs last night's game over the Boston Red Sox. He's currently on pace to get anywhere between 62 to 65 home runs this season. Dodgers clinched the NL West. Uh, congratulations to Dodgers Nation, Dodgers fans, all that good stuff. Uh, Milky Betts, you're an absolute animal. Goodness gracious. Uh, this is a little bit of a weird topic here, right? Uh, this has been something been going around the circles of all major platforms, Twitter especially. Brett Favre is officially involved in a welfare scandal. Text surfaced recently that Mississippi, former Mississippi governor and Favre funneled at least $5 million in welfare funds to his daughter's volleyball program. You know... Sure seems like Brett Favre does a whole lot of bad stuff. If you kind of get catch my drift, I'm trying to keep it as clean as I can today. Um, if this was a African American or a black player like a Terrell Owens or something like that, and they, these allegations came out before the Hall of Fame numbers and inductions came out, these are the kind of things that block other athletes from getting into prestigious places like the Hall of Fame. I don't. It's such a tricky subject. It's a soft, it's a very thin line I'm walking with this topic today. Because a lot of people are like, well, where's the proof? Where's the proof? Well, if there is a uh, actual, legit, verified re reporting article from a local news station in Mississippi that's covering this, what that's telling everybody is that where there is smoke, there is fire, as the old saying goes. And quite simply, there's a lot of fire here. Brett Favre. You took $5 million plus million away in welfare from those people who have worked all their lives to either uh, accrue or get to be able to uh, get to a point in their life where they can, you know, reacquire or go about getting those funds back for people that have earned it, let alone just taking money for your daughter's freaking volleyball program because you yourself who made millions upon tens of millions of dollars and granted the pay scale was way different back in his day but he still made a crap ton of money i don't want to hear a single excuse about why this is not that big of a deal you stole money brett Favre. and as far as i'm frankly considered your sponsorships should be gone you know your levi sponsorships all that stuff should be gone it, it, it should go i don't i don't see a single reason at all why this why they should be continuing 
Uh, if somebody has a conversation or want to have a conversation about this, I would be more than happy to do that. Uh, on Twitter at Westside Sports, I officially have a page for my uh, podcast. So if you guys want to reach out to me, leave me questions on there. Some of you guys have been doing a lot of that lately. I am very appreciative of that. Thank you for doing that. That makes my life a lot easier and makes me able to cover more content for you guys on a daily basis. But now that we got talking about Brett Favre, <laughs> Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett regrets the field goal decision. And I'm going to talk a whole hell of a lot about this today. Uh, more of it probably when we get into the Seahawks section. But here's a fun fact for you guys about their kicker, Brandon McManus, right? The kicker for the, for the Denver Broncos, obviously. This is what you guys need need to know. He has made one career field goal over 60 yards in his career. One total field goal. I believe the percentage I heard this via the Brock and Salk show on uh, 710 ESP, or uh, excuse me, I almost said ESP, ESPN Seattle, Seattle Sports Station now. Um, it's like 17% for his career is what he's kicking from 60 plus. So I don't know why you, you go about doing that, but... Sucks to suck for Broncos. Sorry, I don't feel bad for you at all. At all. After all those smearing and laughing jokes that you did about the Seattle Seahawks, I don't really have a whole lot of empathy or sympathy for you guys. I get confused with those two words, but either way, I'm just going to throw it out for you guys. Dak Prescott will not be going on IR. Uh, Dallas will, quote, stick with quarterback Cooper Rush. I think this is a whole bunch of malarkey, bull honky, rots from the fish down, head on down, whatever you, you want to call it. There's no way. The Dallas Cowboys have put way too much money into this organization, this team. Zeke Kelly looks like a friggin' Power Ranger. You know, it's 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 adorable. You know, the Cowboys will probably win eight, nine games. Jerry Rowe will think they're going to make the playoffs, and then they'll, you know, lose in week one or something like, like they always do. You know, Cowboy-like stuff. But the fact that you're going to stick with Cooper Rush and not go out and possibly seek a Jimmy G trade or something like that. And obviously, I know if you're trading for, you know, need or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Necessity that you're going to be paying more out of pocket for something like, like Jimmy. And I mean, if they're saying that Dak will be back in four weeks, I don't believe that at all. I think this is a six week injury as has been listed by all major uh, sources, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. Uh, other, you know, just a various amount of different uh, sources have been stating this is a six-week injury at the bare minimum. So, I guess we'll see if Jerry knows what the hell he, he's talking about. But I know when the, when when the proof's inside the pudding, let's see what flavor it is. Hope it ain't, it ain't tap tapioca or butterscotch because that's disgusting. Anthony Joshua has uh, officially accepted terms to fight uh, one of the best fighters in the world, pound for pound, Tyson Fury, on December third. Uh, I don't really have a lot more into this. Some people have been asking if I can cover more on this overall topic and subject. If that's the case, please please reach out to me on Twitter at Westside Sports. And uh, that way I kind of know if you guys want it. And I'll dig more into that to get to, get to the details and information, odds, all that good stuff. And for a quick note here, Kraken News, named they have named Alexandra Mandrowski, excuse me if I uh, butchered that last name, as the assistant general manager, sixth active female assistant general manager in the NHL. Congratulations to her. That's just a quick side note. I saw this morning. I want to bring that up before we hop into the Mariners. Mariners today, uh, obviously I'm, rep I'm recording this as the Mariners are playing, which is a little bit different as I usually do. Oh, good job, J Jesse Winker, for actually getting a hit. I'm going to talk about you a little bit here in a couple minutes. 
Promotions, interesting enough, Cade Marlowe, outfielder who has been on a huge tear for the AA Arkansas Travelers, has been promoted to the AAA Tacoma Rainiers. Prelander Baroa. A lot of guys are saying, dude, who is the name is Prelander Baroa? Prelander Baroa was the prospect we acquired from the San Francisco Giants for the trade that I believe that was for Mike Ford or Kevin Padlow, one of those two, because they've switched hands between those two players about six times this season. Prelander Baroa is just continuing to dominate at double-A Arkansas as he did at single-A. An interesting article came out this week comparing him to one of the highest-rated pitching prospects in all of baseball. His name is Daniel Espino. Daniel Espino is a uh, Cleveland Guardians prospect. He has a tremendous five-pitch mix. Fastball velo averages about 97, goes up to about 101. He is a very, very highly touted, talented prospect. And the fact that Prelana Baroa was essentially a toss-in for a DFA trade between uh, the Giants and the Mariners, he has really risen to a different level within this organization. The Mariners continue to do great things with pitching prospects to be acquired from other teams. You know, examples are Casey Sadler, Andres Munoz, uh, Paul Seawald, obviously. You look at all, the, all these guys. You know, uh, Robbie Ray, we, we brought up the idea of reintroducing the two-seam fastball for Robbie Ray. There's so many guys. Penn Murphy's like a 30-something round draft pick or something like that. So many examples of how you take these pitchers and turn them into absolute gems, which is exactly what Mariners strive themselves to be on on a week-to-week and a year-to-year basis with with acquiring and piling up quality pitching prospects. Because in this current day and age, pitching is worth a lot. Look at the look at the haul that went and got for Luis Castillo. Uh, look at the haul that was done for Frankie Montas. Jordan Montgomery was traded trade, uh, traded straight across for Harrison Bader between the Yankees and the Cardinals. Harrison Bader is one of the fastest people in baseball. So with that being said, just a couple of uh, examples on that front for you guys. Uh, quite frankly, last night was just a filth of you Darvish. There's no going around it or anything like that. You Darvish was absolutely sensationally disgusting, you know. I'll be honest, myself watching, I'm pretty sure I said I'll be honest, like back to back in a sentence, but it is what it is. Anyways, you Darvish showed exactly what kind of a pitcher he was. Back in the day, there was a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. His name was Daisuke Matsuzaka, who threw what was called the gyro ball, who was like a fork ball, screw ball, curve ball mix thing. It was like a, it was like a weird, weird pitch, right? I don't think I've ever seen it since Daisuke Matsuzaka's days. But he was, uh, Yu Darvish was really a mixture of between Dice K and Johnny Cueto is what I saw from him last night. Just the ability, you know, hanging in midair between the pitches or in the middle of his windup and all that stuff. Uh, excuse me if I'm kind of pausing a little bit here. I'm trying to keep up the date on the Mariners game as I'm bringing this to you guys today, which I usually don't do, but I'm a little bit late for the podcast today, which I apologize but I'm getting out for you guys as well. Uh, so I talked about UU Darvish and how good he was. Just kind of continuing to stay off base. Cutter between 86 to 91. Fastball with up to 96. Curveball is just paint and corners. Slider was all over the place. Um, it was, he is the literal epitome and what I dream of a Mariners number five starter. Like he's probably a number two, number three for, for most teams. But if you get him uh, or a pitcher like him of his quality to Seattle, and obviously I'm not trying to just throw uh I'm not throwing shade I'm Marco Gonzalez when I say this there's a big gap difference between Marco Marco Gonzalez and uh you Darvish so 
One can dare to dream, right? Dare to dream express, as the fun saying was last year. Logan Gilbert. I'm going to talk about Logan Gilbert here for a couple of minutes because he deserves it. Last night, he showed me something I had I had yet to see from Logan Gilbert in his uh, major league career. This is what it was. He was locked in. He utilized all of his pitches, including this new four-seam fastball and this new slider that he has been working on. The two-seam fastball played around 94-ish miles an hour. Used it in many strikeout situations. Unfortunately, he didn't rack up a ton of strikeouts. As I say that, Luis Castillo racks another one up himself on a nasty 98-mile-an-hour cheddar fastball. But uh, Logan was just really dominating the zone last night, utilizing a changeup specifically in the Bats versus Juan Soto. We saw some great movement, great action on that changeup. And the slider is a little bit less velo, a little bit more consistent break. He Logan just looked a little bit easier. His uh, his stride, his throwing motion towards the plate just seemed a lot easier than what it was a month or so ago. Scott and uh, Jerry have been talking about waiting for Logan Gilbert to kind of hit his uh, you know his second wind, and he definitely appeared to do so. I saw the stat that he has yet to allow a, a home run in his last five starts, if that is correct. But. Uh, yeah, so I'm a little bit uh, torn between this and the game because I'm watching Luis Castillo just dicing up the Padres with just filth, and I love it. Uh, but Logan, man, uh, just the the like I said, the considerable amount of ease, the quality of the off-speed pitch all over the plate last night, really making his fastball playing that much uh, more up when it comes to velo and velocity and overall locations. He was painting corners, which is exactly what you want to see from Logan Gilbert, especially with the, with the fact that as he continues to get better, it will continue to better overall this pitching rotation and the overall team for the, for the playoff push. But yeah, that's pretty much what I got for, for Logan. Uh, obviously let's hope he can continue this kind of momentum into his next start. It'd be a huge, a huge building block for this rotation behind Robbie and Luis Castillo, obviously having a Logan Gilbert and George Kirby who are just dominating and Marco had a great game against the Atlanta Braves on Sunday. Obviously the pitching matchup today is Luis Castillo versus Mike Clevenger. A uh, little update for you guys who do not know or are listening to this. Probably you're, you already know this for you. Uh, you're listening to me today. The Mariners are up 3 nothing in the fourth inning. Two outs. Luis Castillo, 67 pitches. So he has had to work a fair amount, but he has been absolutely disgusting, as is usual from El Pedro. Mariners are looking to even this two-game series with a day off tomorrow, so we're hoping that they can wrap up and get this 3 to nothing at least win today. I want to bring up a side note. I talked about uh, Jesse Winker a couple of minutes ago, and I want to just kind of touch on this for a minute because I kind of I don't really question a lot of things about Scott Service, uh, or I haven't, I should say, because I did question him a fair amount in the beginning of the season, which is my own fault. I will completely own up to that. You know, it's a part of being a... Uh, legit like honorable like podcaster is not just trying to spew a bunch of garbage like if i'm wrong i'll own it i'll admit it so yeah i was wrong on that i'll take an l whatever but the ab's for jesse winker in my opinion should be going to taylor trammell jesse winker has been in a funk for a while again and grant i say that as jesse winker got got a single today woohoo Trammell needs ABs in order for him to be ready to be able to can contribute towards the playoff push and final stretch for the Seattle Mariners. At least one of those runs last night would not have scored if we had Taylor in left field versus Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker is subpar defensively, has a subpar arm, is not a great athlete or anything or short of it. So with that being said, 
I mean, also maybe even Jake Lamb. I, I don't even know why they're not playing Jake Lamb or anything for any reason. It just drives me nuts. I really think Jake Lamb could be pretty decent here, but I just that's that's a different conversation for for a different day. We'll leave that where it is. But uh, the conversation of you know we gave up a lot for for Jesse Winker and we should be seeing if he can help out this team and all that stuff. That said, that that conversation now falls on deaf ears. It really does. I'm not trying to be uh, dismissive or anything like that. But when Mariners are in a, in a current playoff push for the first time in 21 years or 20 plus years, you don't have the time right now to be seeing whether or not Jesse Winker is going to be able to help you contribute towards uh getting towards the playoff and your overall goal obviously of getting to the playoffs if you find somebody who can help us get there or you step aside and let somebody else fill that role and void for you i'm doing a replay right now oh yeah that that pitch hit him that's 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 great so yeah hopefully jay clamp can get more opportunities here in the upcoming uh upcoming days with especially with mitch hanniger being out for the last couple days with a uh, low back tightness which skip or uh skip service called quote concerning seahawks 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 and then we're gonna do walk off and we're out for today after the Monday Night Football game, there were equally as many questions as there were answers, obviously. Why the 64-yard field goal? Do you actually trust Russell Wilson? I mean, I would assume so after paying him $250 million. Two yards rushing in that game. That's all he had total. Total or a net gain. It was two yards rushing. Are his legs gone? Done for? Does he not trust his legs? We'll see. This is what we do know, though. Geno Smith flat out outplayed Russell Wilson was more efficient with his opportunities, also utilized his legs on a few key opportunities to extend plays and get first downs when they desperately had to have it. Seahawks defense came ready to, to, to play Monday, playing sharp, concise football. Yes, some of the rookies made mistakes, such as Kobe Bryant versus Jerry Judy in that slot where they had a 67-yard touchdown play. Besides for that, they pretty much held them all in check. It was a pretty good game. Treek Wollen played pretty well. Charles Cross, Abe Lucas played well. Granted, Charles Cross had, uh, I think he had one or two penalties. I think Abe Lucas had one penalty, but that's that's totally acceptable for, for two rookies going up against two legit bona fide pass rushers and Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. So, I mean, I was very impressed. I thought that the safeties after Jamal Adams went out were very impressive. I thought that Josh Jones played very well. He is one of my unsung heroes. Obviously, Mike Jackson, two fumble re recoveries. Uchana Owosu, or Enchana Owosu, excuse me, defensive or NFC defensive player of the week for his performance. Jordan Brooks had another double-digit uh, tackle performance. Al Woods, Puna Ford, Shelby Harris did a tremendous job on the line. Still bummed I didn't see any Miles Adams in that game. I mean, I didn't see a whole lot from Quentin Jefferson in that game. So maybe they kind of flip spots between Jefferson and Adams next game. But, you know, that's TBD. Especially with the game being against the Niners. And the Niners are having a little bit of an issues right now with what they've got going on with their own... Uh, Laundry list of chores to be done for our lack of, of a statement. The rookies played well. Uh, talking about Abe Lucas. Abe Lucas had one of the top five uh, pro football focuses offensive grades for that game. I believe it was about a 71, 72.5, which is very good for a rookie in his opening week. He's just a pillar. He's a huge man. Charles Cross, very athletic on the, on the left side. Did a great job keeping his hands in front of Bradley Chubb. And uh, as usual, Luis Castillo, 2-1, strikes him out. Beautiful. Roster moves for the Seahawks today. 
Tyler Ott, long snapper, went to IR. I believe that's a short-term IR for four games, not long-term for the season. Scott Nelson, a safety from Wisconsin, is back to the practice squad as Tyler or the replacement for Tyler Ott was brought up. I talked about Uchana Wosu being defensive player of the week. Jamal Adams is headed for surgery on his injured leg slash knee. Pete on the Brock and Salk show reiterated that it's not a usual injury. They anticipate for Josh Jones, Ryan Neal, and Joey Blunt to pick up the slack. I really like Joey Blunt. He played really well in special teams along with DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. I thought those uh, DJ Dallas and Travis Homer had exceptional, exceptional games. DK Metcalf, great contested catches. Noah Fant did the best of his opportunities. Rashad Penny ran pretty well. Uh, he, they, he would have had over 120 yards if they didn't have a couple uh, runs called back for uh, for penalties. Phil Haynes, uncharacteristically, had some injuries, or excuse me, some injuries, some penalties in that game, which was obviously frustrating to see. But I believe that we'll clean that up, especially for the fact that uh, it wasn't like a short-term notice, but the fact that Damian Lewis wasn't actually able, able to go. And Gabe Jackson was a pretty pleasant, uh, pleasant surprise, to say the least, on the right guard spot. Jake Curhan, hopefully we can get him back in the mix this week as he's kind of dealing with an injury issue himself. But that's what we got for Seahawks today. As far as the walk-off, quite frankly, we need to get this W today versus the Padres. Get Clevenger's pitch count up early as soon as possible. Get into their bullpen. May, may make them work for it. Any day, Luis Castillo, El Pedro is on the mound. It's always a great day and a great chance to win. Let's hope that Jamal Adams' surgery today goes well. Uh, fingers crossed, toes crossed, and a prayer set for him and his family uh, for all that he's went through. I know a lot of people are upset about the trade and everything like that, getting him in here, paying him all that money, and he's been nothing but hurt besides for that one season, which isn't wrong, but it's just unfortunate for him and his family. Let's see how the rest of these uh, teams play out today for the, for the wild card chase. Hopefully, I know that Toronto and uh, I think it's Toronto and the Rays are playing a series uh, the last couple of days, a five-game series. Doubleheader yesterday, so they'll have a game today. So let's hope that they uh, those two just keep beating each other up and kind of just wear, wear, wear each other down. With that being said, that's going to be today's podcast. If you guys enjoyed the pod today, please do me a favor. And uh, if you're new, please subscribe and leave a rating. The rating helps me out tremendously. lets me know how I'm doing for you guys. If there's anything you guys want me to talk about for the upcoming show for tomorrow, please reach out to me on Twitter at Westside Sports on Twitter, and that way I can answer your guys' questions there. I also have a Facebook group, Sports in the Northwest with the Green Mariners insignia. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go Mariners. See us rise. Go Hawks.